Eli Ross' History of Horror Uncut is a Shudder original podcast. Download the app or visit Shudder.com to begin your seven-day free trial. I'm Shudder curator Sam Zimmerman. This is the History of Horror Uncut, an essential audio companion to Eli Roth's History of Horror. Eli Roth's History of Horror is a seven-episode docuseries threading the evolution and immortality of the genre and all its terrors within. These are the full, candid interviews, most of which can only be found and heard right here in this podcast. You'll hear how the genre shaped these filmmakers, authors, makeup maestros. You'll hear the personal, unbridled appreciation that only comes from those who know how special horror can be. Welcome to a more intimate history of horror. The History of Horror Uncut is built with the full, raw interviews conducted in production for Eli Roth's History of Horror. So in some cases, Eli leads the talk itself. In others, deeply knowledgeable producer Kurt Sayanga steps in. Tippi Hedren is a living legend. She starred twice for Alfred Hitchcock in The Birds and Marnie, and that's where she made this bold introduction to Hollywood. She's been seen on screens large and small ever since. It's a longevity that gives Hedren stunning insight of her own experiences and exciting asides like her brush with William Peter Blatty and a small connection to The Exorcist. Here, we're very proud to present Hedren looking back heavily on the birds. She dives into the production and its development, her education and performance, the effects, being attacked by these birds, how she's recreated some props and sets from the film in her own homes, and she talks her relationship with Hitchcock during and after, including the still unbelievable animal attack gem Roar, which if you've never seen, you must see, either before or after you listen to this, I don't care, Roar is amazing. Here now is Tippi Hedren, Listen up, ghouls. Tell me about your exorcist story to begin with. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I was introduced to a, a wonderful writer whose name was William Peter Blatty. And um, it came about a storyline that was very, very exciting. It was about a, a young woman. And um, I suggested to William Peter Blatty that he writes a book about this. And he did. It was called The Exorcist. And it became not only a huge bestseller, but an incredible film. I feel just kind of secretly proud that it was because of me that he was introduced to this issue and that he carried forth with it and um, did a very, very fine job. Did he yeah. tell you that story about the girl who got exercised? or? Uh, you know something, I, I can't, I, I think I heard about the story and, and uh, it was so interesting to me that this sort of thing can happen that I read more about it. It's a pretty intense film, right? Intense is a very good word for that film, yes. So uh, Linda Blair went through a lot in the making of that picture, which leads us to discussing the birds and what she went through <laughs> in the making of that picture. <laughs> That's the joys of making movies. You get to do incredibly wonderful things and exciting things. The Birds has been called Hitchcock's most technically ambitious and difficult picture to make. And what was it like for you being in the eye of the storm of this uh, really complicated... It picture? was absolutely fabulous. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I became friends with a lot of the birds. And Ray Berwick, who was the bird trainer, was 
I, I admired him tremendously. I am an animal aficionado. I love animals. I feel that they should all be treated well. And, and uh, the animals in the films that are used, I always watch very, very carefully as to how they're being treated. And he was just wonderful with them. Really there wonderful. was somebody from the uh, American Humane Association on set, right, to make sure the birds were not yeah. mistreated. Uh, there is someone on the, on, the, on the set from the Humane Society, whatever it is. Whenever an animal is being used in a film, it's a good thing. At any point during the birds, did you wish there was somebody looking to make sure the actress wasn't mistreated? <laughs> yeah, there were a couple times, you know, at the end of the film when I'm lying in front of that door, just from total exhaustion, I it just crumple. They ended up tying some of the birds onto me because birds don't follow direction too well. They wanted uh, several of the birds to be on my body, and so they were tied to me, you know, very, very carefully so they couldn't be seen by the camera. One of the birds was sitting on my shoulder, and, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be out. I have just fainted from exhaustion. One of the birds was on my shoulder. He decided to move and he jumped and his claw got very close to my eye and I thought, okay, wait a minute, that's enough. So I got the, uh, the bird off of me and, uh, and I said, I I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this scene. <laughs> we have enough of it. <laughs> How many days did it take to shoot that scene? Oh, I don't know. Just. Okay. I think I heard it was like four. You know, yeah, I was, I was going to say four, four days. So you had four days of being in the, if you could describe Brutalized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brutalized, totally brutalized. <laughs> and I liked some of the birds, you know, they were very, and I'd walk around with them on my wrist and, you know, one was named Buddy. Well, I, I truly do love animals, no matter what, you know, birds, animals, whatever. I really do admire them and... So, you say birds don't naturally attack, so in that case, were people like throwing birds at you? For yes, they were, and they tried to do the fake birds, but the fake birds did. They looked like fake birds, unfortunately. So yes, they were hurled at me. There were four or five of them with a basket of uh, birds ready to hurl at me. Yeah, but I lived through it, and I really didn't have any scars or scratches or anything. I was lucky. When you first got the script, um, of course, at that point, you, you know, you're suddenly um, you're suddenly the lead in an Alfred Hitchcock movie before having done modeling work and yeah. commercial work, right? Yes. Uh, uh, were you uh, at all a little daunted by that? <laughs> no, I was thrilled with the whole thought of being in a motion picture, and especially with the renowned Alfred Hitchcock. You really can't start out much better than that. It was pretty amazing. So he was my drama coach as well as my director. I wanted to ask you about that, how you basically got into the character for that, particularly coming from, you know, suddenly you're, you're in virtually every shot, every scene yes. of the birds. Did, uh, did Hitchcock and his wife work with you? Or? Yes, Alma, his wife, she had uh, been working with him on so many films and they worked very, very closely together. And she was, she was a wonderful director. She, um, she helped me a lot with the different scenes and, you know, kind of helping put the character together for me. And, you know, and then this was all very exciting to have a, a first film with a very, very famous director. It was an exciting time for me. 
Did they give you notes on, for instance, how to move, like technical notes as an actress? No, I didn't need any of that because I, I was already, uh, you know, trained as a, as a model, and I'm not exactly klutzy, so. Who do you think was, um, what's your character? So what kind of woman was she, the birds? Melanie Daniels? Mm -hmm. Um, I think she was a woman who was, was sure of herself. I, I don't think she was impressed with herself. I just think she knew what she wanted and how to get it. She's kind of rich and entitled, it seemed like, in the, at the beginning of the film. Um, yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> having not been that sort of, having had that kind of bringing up, uh, it's, it's fun to play those roles. Do you think the journey she undergoes, or what do you think the birds civilize? So many people say, uh, get different metaphors out of the birds. Some people see it as an environmentalist movie. How did you see it? Environmentalist? No, I think it's more character. You know, the, the Melanie Daniels character, when she was very sure of herself and, uh, um, you know, sort of had every reason to be. She grew up with... Uh, good upbringing. She was educated. Um, she had a very, very good life. You know, she had a sense of humor, which gets us all through a lot if we have that particular quality. Ultimately, I mean, uh, there are also some critic. you know, I, I know Camille Paglia talked to you, right, for her book about uh, the birds, the BFI, so, and I think she saw it as, you know, in some ways, it's symbolic of like what women have to face in society. So it's what Melanie undergoes uh, at the hands uh, during the birds. Well, I, su I suppose that, that that was her view. I don't know what, um, what we all have to face in society. I think, I think uh, we, what we have to face is how are we going to deal with what is being given to us or brought to the table and uh, how we figure it out. What was your relationship with your director during The Birds? With Hitchcock? It was good. It was good. It was, um, there I was with one of the most famous directors in the world, and uh, I felt very fortunate in having my first film with that kind of influence. It, of course, spoiled me a lot because he, there he was, a consummate director. It was absolutely fabulous. I didn't necessarily expect the attention that I received from him. Uh, and that really didn't come close uh, until we did the film Marnie. And it wasn't until then that it became a real problem. All, all of us women and have to learn how to deal with men. We're dealing with that right now on, all over television. And it kind of makes me laugh. I mean, it's like it's never been talked about before. It certainly should be. I mean, there's no reason why women should have to be put in a situation where they're uncomfortable with uh, any situation, uh, and especially that of the opposing desires of a man or whatever the situation is. So during the birds, was Hitchcock more formal and more gentlemanly with you then? Oh, yes, he was. But he was in, in Marnie, too. It's just that it got a little bit out of hand, and I, you know, had to uh, make my feelings known about the entire situation, and I did. You were there, obviously, and then people who are not kind of look at the situation and say, like, oh, you know, he put her in this room with all these live birds to torture her deliberately. Was that <laughs> I don't think, you know, you know I, I, that was, that's somebody else's thought. 
Uh, I don't. I don't think that was the case. I think he wanted a good movie. I think he wanted to make a good film that had a, a bit of, of reality to it. So maybe that situation, uh, he thought that I needed to have the birds a little bit too close to me in order for me to react correctly. I didn't feel that I needed to have anything extra thrown at me. <laughs> you know. uh, it was an amazing film to do, and it was a, a huge job for everyone dealing with an, an animal or a bird or a flock of birds or whatever in any film presents unusual situations. And I always find them interesting. If you could tell, just tell a little of the, the story about uh, how you knew, first knew that you got the part when they showed you the script and what you thought of that. Uh, yeah, well, I knew, uh, you know, when I first went, uh, went under contract to uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, I was aware of the fact that they were working on a movie called The Birds. You know, I was able to meet everyone involved with it and all of that, but it, it never occurred to me that I would even be considered for this role. But then uh, we did a screen test, which was um, very involved. It was a, a two or three days of doing different scenes from different movies. And, you know, uh, it was uh, Edith Head was my clothes designer, and I was terribly spoiled for this whole adventure. We did scenes from Catch a Thief and extemporaneous type things and, of course, wardrobe changes. And, uh, and it, it really was a couple of days of just, just plain fun. It was just wonderful fun. And I had no idea that this test was being done in order to see, really, what does the girl have? What is she capable of doing? But anyway, I had a wonderful time. We did... We did scenes from several different movies, and uh, Hitch flew Martin Balsam in from New York to be my leading man. Cause of course, there wasn't another actor in Hollywood who could have done that, you know. had <laughs> to be him. <laughs> but, um, you know, that was uh, fun. And uh, Edith had designed an entire wardrobe for me, and uh, so we did fashion shots and, you know, the best makeup people, the best everything. Did the oh. famous green suit that you wore come out of that? Yes, it did. And I, I had seven of them because that girl went through a lot, and so did the dress. Were you able to keep uh, any one of those seven uh, green? Yes. Yes, I was. You still have it? I still have it, yeah. You pull it out every now and then? <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a building of clothes uh, that I have collected. I'm, I'm, I'm a collector. And um, it's difficult for me to let go of anything that I acquire. And so I have a building that I've got all kinds of wonderful things in it. Most of it's clothes, though. A lot of shoes, too. When you got the script and you saw, um, did any particular scenes jump out at you? It was like, oh, okay, this... this yes, there were, there were scenes that jumped out at me. And the, the, the main one was where the birds, uh, you know, I go up to that door, up to the... I walk up the stairs to see, because I hear noises. And um, we have been dealing with an attack by birds, and the house is boarded up, and we're all inside, and it's very, very late at night, and... Um, Everybody had fallen asleep in the living room, and I hear noises up on the second floor. And of course, I, heaven forbid, I should wake anybody and say, I hear strange sounds. You know? <laughs> I get up and I 
quietly go up the stairs and I quietly open the door and go in and wham, I am hit by all of these birds from a hole in the ceiling that they had created. Uh, they, I am knocked to the floor and the door slams shut and then they, they start flying at me. Finally, there's enough noise that Rod Taylor is awakened from snoozing downstairs. He comes up and he had to, you know, oh, to open the door, he had to push me away from it. You know, it was a highly dramatic scene and one that was, um, it, it probably looks like I had a tough time dealing with the birds, but it's called acting. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great scene. It's a memorable it is. scene. At the same time, why did she just go up by herself? Did you did you ask Hitchcock? You'll have to ask Evan Hunter that. He's the one who wrote the script. I don't know. <laughs> it's called movie making. It's for excitement. It's for to make people talk about the film. Melanie starts off and she's very confident and flirtatious mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. smart and and then, you know, all she has all these great emotions. So what, was that fun to play? Absolutely. It was a great role because of the different, uh, different emotions that the actors were able to create. Those kinds of films are dream films to do. And they feel like dream. The birds sort of has a dreamlike quality to it. Yes, that's a good analogy of it. Yes, absolutely. And some of your fellow actors want to ask what it was like working with them. So one, uh, Ethel Griffiths always sticks out to me as Mrs. Bundy So in that, uh, in that film. She was awesome, wasn't she? Yeah, Mrs. Bundy was a fabulous character. But there, there were so many wonderful characters in that movie. Yeah. Suzanne Plachette, of course. So. Yeah, Susie. What did you guys do during when you were not shooting, when you're uh, in between bird attacks? Well, there, there was always, um, there wasn't really much time in between. Hitchcock was a very, very accomplished, is one word for him. He certainly did know how to make a motion picture. First of all, he knew stories of what he wanted to do. Stories that were fascinating or gripping or frightening or whatever. He was brilliant in his choices. And the people who he chose to have around him were also very creative and um, very capable in the jobs that, that he chose for them. So everything ran very well in his pictures. In fact, uh, you know, The Birds was my first movie, so I was, um, I would say, genuinely spoiled. I mean, really spoiled for what I saw was needed to make a, a movie work. And I was, um, most of the time after that, for the films that I did, it was very disappointing. So this was a good he first experience? Absolutely wonderful experience, yes. How much of this was shot on location in Bodega Bay, and how much in the studio? All of the exteriors were done in uh, Bodega. And then we had another set that in case it rained, and there, there we couldn't work outside, that we could still get scenes done. It's all done very, very cleverly and very, very economically. What was involved with shooting the jungle gym sequence? How long were you sitting there, basically, and how did they <laughs> achieve that? <laughs> no, I, um, actually, that didn't take too long. I know it was, it was one of those important scenes because of the suspense that it builds. 
And of course, then the action that comes from that. Incidentally, I have had that jungle gym copied and I have it at the Shambhala Preserve where the, you know, the ravens who live around Shambhala light on it every now and then. It's, I talked to the people who build our fences for the lions and tigers at the Shambhala Preserve. I said, if I get a picture of the jungle gym, would you be able to build it? And they looked at it and they said, of course, of course. So they did, and it's an exact replica of the jungle gym in the birds. It's just sort of a little homage. Tell me about uh, what happens in that scene, and how does, how is it, why is that scene so suspenseful? Because we've already seen uh, what the cap birds are capable of doing. And that's always a wise thing to do, is prepare. If you're going to have suspense, to prepare the audience for this suspense that they are going to be. Uh, witnessing. And that's the wonderful thing about working with Alfred Hitchcock. I, he had me sit in on meetings with every phase of making that motion picture. And The Birds being my first film, I was, I was just in seventh heaven learning all of it from such uh, really qualified beings in the motion picture industry. That's pretty unusual. Oh, I think it's highly unusual. And so that was helpful for you from uh, just a understanding the technical process. Absolutely. I learned so much about the technical end of making a motion picture. And then, of course, we had the, the added uh, <laughs> entity of all of the birds being involved in it. And when you're dealing with a, another live entity, it, everything changes. How did they get the, um, were the uh, ravens on the, um, on the jungle gym? Uh, they had uh, a unique uh, bird trainer. His name was Ray Berwick. The thing I loved so much about him, he really cared about those birds. And I think the birds really liked him because they did everything he wanted them to. And there was no harshness, no, I mean, it was, it was really wonderful. Did he release them like in pack little bits at a time? He would, and he taught them how to circle and then come back to him and he'd come back to his arm. It, it was an amazing situation just watching him. Do they put anything on the jungle gym bars or to attract the birds? Oh, sure. Oh, yes. They, they had to have a little bit of fun, too, you know. And then that's followed, of course, by the attack scene. So um, how is that done where you and the, the school children are attacked? Yeah, you know, they were, they were uh, uh, going to use fake birds for it, but none of that worked. Hitch gathered us all together and explained that the mechanical birds don't work and they have to use real ones which by that time uh, we were all very aware of the dangers that could happen when you're dealing with, with um, anything wild, and especially when those entities are being thrown at you. You have to fend them off the best way you can, physically, because there was no other way to do it. I, was, I wasn't hurt. The closest thing I got was a, a claw that came too close to my eye, and that healed up very nicely. How'd they handle that with kids? Well, I wasn't there for a lot of the filming of the children. There was so much, so many safety guards for the children that um, none of them were hurt, which is a good thing. Lastly, the film's last shot, you're pretty much catatonic. What are your memories of shooting that? I had to be sort of, you know, my, my character had been through a, a hell of a lot. I was almost catatonic when I'm led out of the house to get into the car. 
That's fun to play anyway, all those high emotions, you know. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a very memorable acting time for me to play those kinds of emotions. And uh, I, I was really put through my paces during that movie. It being my first film, I got quite an education. Was it worth it? Yes, it was worth it. It was tremendously worth it, and uh, I've had a wonderful career. I thank Alfred Hitchcock for that. When you first saw The Birds, what did you think of the film? My first reaction was, this is going to be a major success. I mean, just because the oddity of the whole storyline of all of these hundreds and hundreds of birds attacking the humans. You know, it's usually the reverse, and we are getting it back. Actually, speaking of that, uh, what is, what's the appeal of the uh, kind of nature versus uh, mankind uh, film? Yeah, I think the whole story was unique. But I think people like to see people in jeopardy, where there's a lot of excitement. Are they going to make it? Are they going to live? Are they going to... How are they going to get out of this situation? How, I mean, it makes a very interesting storyline. I've read that part of the film's genesis was because there were some actual like bird incidents in the town near, I think it was Santa Cruz, maybe? Mm -hmm. so, yes, it was Santa Cruz. Do you yes. know a little about that story? Yeah, we, we heard stories about, about the birds attacking different people, and of course that kind of incites everyone to, you know, say this really could happen. Have you ever had birds attack you that were not in a film? No. No, not yet. And we have huge flocks of birds that live out at the Shambhala Preserve because, because we serve meat. Many of them are meat eaters. When the animals are fed, very often we'll see the larger birds fly in and come down to pick up the meat. You know, some of the lions and tigers are, are, are very, very smart, and they'll sit and wait for the birds to do that. And it doesn't sometimes end up well. It's a scary kind of situation. And that's kind of, the, of course, the food chain. Right? It is the food chain. Is the birds kind of in all these, you know, animal attack movies sort of a reversal of the food chain? Probably. <laughs> I think so. Is that what makes it so uncomfortable? For I, th I think it is. I think it makes us all very uncomfortable. If you could say it would make us very uncomfortable to have the food chain reverse or to be at the bottom of the food chain. Ooh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be there. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> um, what's the appeal of uh, a movie like The Birds or, you know, of horror films, suspense films, do you think? Oh, I think we're all interested in, in suspense and horror and things that kind of tantalize us into situations of which is not the norm. You think uh, people are able to sort of it's, express emotions through these films that they wouldn't be able to in other kinds of films? Oh, I think they can. I, I think people love movies because they can experience emotions that they would not necessarily have in their own lifetime. Oh, I think that's one of the most appealing reasons to go to uh, to f see films. And what was the uh, what's the appeal of being an actress? becoming someone else for a little while. How do you approach that? Uh, with great difficulty sometimes, because sometimes the characters are extremely involved and uh, you need to portray that without necessarily saying anything or it isn't all just words, but you know, your, your actions, your, 
your facial expressions, your body postures, everything comes into the, your, your acting role. How much of that also is when you're preparing, for instance, to be Melanie Daniels, uh, how much of that is, uh, say, the wardrobe? Wardrobe has a lot to do with the character, of course. And it's a very important part of it. Uh, your own uh, preparation of the character and how to exemplify that character is what's, you know, your body postures, your everything, your facial expressions, all of it. What effect do you think the green suit that she wears plays? What does that tell us? I think it was very boring for the audience to have to see that. <laughs> I think they probably thought, if I see that green suit on her one more day, I'm going to, you know, one more scene. However, you try to rise above that, and so that the, the storyline will not be the, the fact that she wears the green dress almost through the entire film, or she does, uh, will not be a, a focal point. I guess he figured she wouldn't really have time to change. Or... <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> Good point. But they, you know, the, the color of the dress had to be something that the audience wouldn't go, oh, God, if I see that, you know, that color again, I'm going to scream. Uh, it had to be sort of uh, a pleasing color that could easily be accepted. Does that sort of help lull this audience into a sense of security, maybe? Yeah, I, I, I guess it would. And uh, that's another reason the, the color had to be very, very uh, almost forgettable. And I think it is. It's a, it's a lovely color. And but, then it's sort of shocking that uh, what happens to the dress and the blood. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> shocking. There wasn't really a lot of blood in the birds there, was there? There wasn't that much, I don't think. No, because it could have been horrendous. And uh, Hitchcock knew that. You can't offend your audience so that they are so upset to get up and leave the, the theater. You know, I, I don't think that there is much that Alfred Hitchcock missed in making his movies. I mean, they were made for his audience. And he knew his audience as well. Well, of course, if the birds had been made 10 years later, even... Do you think the film would have been drastically different? Oh, tremendously different. So we look at the capabilities we have now technically. Of course, it would be entirely different. It could also be more violent, too, though. Oh, yes, it could. Tell me a little about uh, Roar. And uh, do you consider that to be uh, a horror thriller film? You know, I don't know. I don't know what to call Roar. It was a movie that we wanted to make. I had done two films in Africa back-to-back, back. so I was there for quite a while, and my then-husband was there with me. And we would go out to the, the veld to see the animals running free, and it was always so beautiful to see it. And we thought it would be a wonderful idea to do a film about the animals in the wild and the problems they have out there just due to encroaching civilization, sport hunting, poaching, whatever. We chose the, the great cats to be our movie stars which is a, totally a romantic notion. You're dealing with apex predators, top of the food chain, one of four of the most dangerous animals in the world, and we're going to use these animals as our movie stars. Anyway, the script was written, and uh, we talked to all the different uh, trainers in Hollywood who had these animals, lions and tigers. Every one of them came back laughing at us, saying, you can't do this movie. And we said, and why not? And they said, because of instinctual dictates to fight. I don't want my cat hurt. I don't want to be hurt. Get your own animals to do the movie. Bingo. 
So that's how it all started. With a one little lion cub that I, this animal trainer brought to us, it was about three months old, to our house in Sherman Oaks. And um, this little lion cub, Casey, lived with us and he'd sleep with me. He began tearing up the house and we found that he was a one-man demolition crew. All of a sudden the draperies had, were fringed and we had another little lion come to live with him and then another one, pretty soon we had four of them. Uh, they would play tug of war with the bedspreads. They would, um, I mean, it was chaos, total chaos. Uh, but that's how we did learn from the very beginning what they're like when they're little, young, uh, teenagers. So we had to find a place to, because uh, they'd got, get so big. One of them leaned over the fence and looked down, and the neighbor looked up and said, it's a lion. And next day, pounding on the door, it was animal control saying, we hear you have a lion here. And I ran and got the littlest one and said that we were making a movie and that they would be gone very soon. He said, you got that right, lady. You've got 24 hours to get them off the property. So, I mean, this, this has been my life for the last 40 years. Talk about, you mentioned candy stripers is the word I remember. Oh, yeah, the, these are uh, the people who, uh, oh, I, you know, I thought we were going to talk about people who were evil in the movie business. Sure. And one of them was The Curse of Lizzie Borden. Yes, yes. And this was a real person who died of 81 axe whacks. Say that fast in the New England area, and she was attacked. And Ted Bundy in 2002 was a serial killer, and apparently he did it in great style. Disturbing. Yes. <laughs> Stylish and disturbing. Yeah, very disturbing. Yes. yes, and, and that, he did most of his work in the Western states, mm -hmm. and apparently he murdered over three, 30 people. What's the attraction, do you think, of that kind of evil? Like, why are people fascinated by that? And well, I, I, th I think it's some quirk that we have, that the human has, is to be infatuated with strange things that people do. It is very disturbing. Of your favorite films, I mean, what kind of movies do you like to watch uh, for fun? Well, I've got, I've got a lot of uh, different, different types of movies. I like, I like mystery types of movies I like. Um, and then, you know, of course, the, the most important thing is the script, the story, always. Shakespeare said it, the play is the thing. But there's uh, such a plethora of wealth that we can see on television, that we can read, that we can, you know, it, it, there's, there's so much that we can, that we have an advantage of looking at and hearing and, uh, and it's just, I think, just a wise thing to be very, very aware of what's, what's upcoming, what's going on in the movies, in, you know, whatever, books. In the, in the horror genre, what's, uh, do any titles stick out? Obviously, The Exorcist. Oh, I think The Exorcist is one of the most important films. Very scary, you know, really frightening. Absolutely. When you think back to this, what place do you think, um, where's the bird stand in, uh, you know, the history of cinema? So. <laughs> Where does the bird stand in the history of cinema? I think it's going to go on forever. I think it's such a bizarre thought that birds would attack us, birds that are not basically known to be vicious. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not eagles, they're not you know, any, kind of, uh, any kind of species of bird that would be frightening. They're just birds that we see all the time. 
And to think of them all of a sudden banding together and attacking us is, you know, that you would have to be wary every time you step out your door or get out of your car or whatever is a very frightening thought. I think it would be horrifying if the birds all turned on us. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Or you... No, I think, I think it's kind of interesting that I went from birds to lions and tigers and uh, have had such a close proximity in life to them. I have raised little lions and tigers. I know the dangers that they are capable of doing to us. I also am very, very much aware of the fact they are not pets and should never be considered as a pet. Yeah, your relationship you know, with Hitchcock obviously complicated, but uh, what do you think in it? What was driving him? Like, what uh, would do? Was he compelled to make uh, to scare people basically to make these kind of films? I think he was born with some sort of a challenging thought to scare people, to make them uneasy, to uh, frighten them severely, and also really make them think about other things other than our daily lives, which are a lot of the time very mundane and boring and to give those kinds of exciting thoughts to people i think he i think he relished that did he take it too far in his private life did he take it too far in his private life probably he had his own motion picture going on inside <laughs> tell me about the fireplace scene and uh, what happens in that and what happens during the making of it they they had cartons of birds and they were up on top of the, you know, the chimney. And the birds were cued, and they slowly tipped the box over, and the birds came down the chimney, and the expectation was that they would fly around the room. And they, so, okay, take one, and they slowly, very cautiously, carefully tipped the birds over, and they fell down, and they landed on the hearth, and they walked around, and they didn't move from there. They just walked around, and, and that was, it became a huge problem as to how do we get the birds to fly around. Oh, gosh, I think they got fans to try to do it. They tried everything to try and do, get the birds to fly. Eventually, the birds were drawn in by the Disney company. So not too terrifying when they uh, did the chimney scene. No, that was called acting. <laughs> I had to react to absolutely nothing in the air. And um, how did Hitchcock direct you for that famous attic scene? Um, I was supposed to go up the stairs, and of course by that time my character had seen all of the destruction that the birds had caused. And I said, why would I go up there knowing what's going on? Why would I do that? And he said... Because I tell you to. <laughs> okay. Can't really argue with that. My paycheck. <laughs> they called Hitchcock the master of horror. What, what made him? How so? Well, I think that's, that's a mistake. I think he was the master of suspense. And I think that's basically what his, his movies were all about. I don't know that they were horror shows. What's the difference, do you think? Uh, I think the difference is in... Uh, uh, I think of horror as seeing lots of blood and lots of, you know, physical situations. And, and uh, he worked on your mind more than anything, which is very clever. 
what happens in the birds? What's the plot of the birds? You know, because uh, the birds are an entity that we look at and we love to see, and it's a, a beautiful thing to see birds flying, and you know how brilliant they are in formations of going across the sky, and they have a purpose of where they're going, and you know, uh, birds are generally thought of as being certainly not enemies and not invasive and not, they're, they're beautiful beings. And we have them in our homes, and of course we put them in cages, you know. Had you seen Psycho before, uh, before the, you worked on the birds? I don't think I had seen it. I don't think I had. Have you seen it since then? Or? Oh, it's crazy. It was, it was really kind of a, a really frightening film. What sticks and out I choose not, I, I choose not to remember, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we have choices like that, you know. Yep. <laughs> it's what keeps us sane. Is that the kind of movie that gets into your head and you have to get it, you don't want it in your yeah, head? Yeah, I don't want it in my head. You know, a lot of that, a lot of that I don't want in my head. One last thing about the birds is just basically the birds is the story of a, a young woman who, what is, what is Melanie trying to do and what happens to her? Melanie, uh, you know, is an intelligent young woman who, I think she kind of ha thinks she has her life figured out and uh, who she is and what she wants out of life and uh, a romance brings her into a situation in which it all goes to hell in a handbasket and uh, you see how she survives it through I don't know the grace of God or strong will or whatever she does survive hopefully lives happily ever after with this young man. Melanie brings two lovebirds with her. I always thought the lovebirds were the ringleaders of the bird apocalypse. What do you think? Oh, I think that, I think I think you're absolutely right. The, the the two lovebirds were definitely a very important part of the movie, and without them, there wouldn't be a movie. And yeah, they were very significant in their role. How yeah. so? Well, um, for one thing, they, uh, as I said, there wouldn't be a movie without them. It was a kind of a fun thing for her to do. She was a whimsical woman who liked to create excitement in her own life and bringing these two birds up to see this young man that she had uh, doesn't really know but became infatuated with to bring them up to him to see what would happen and boy did she find out tell me about the tiger that bit your head please <laughs> <laughs> well you know when you play with with fire you can get burned sometimes so we had um, a scene in our movie roar which everybody should see because it's, it's unexplainable. Uh, it's a movie about lions and tigers and uh, a couple who become involved with them. And during one scene, I am walking across a tree bridge going across our river, and I am followed by lions and tigers. And at one point, I fall on the tree, and the lions and tigers are all stepping over me, to get to the other side. And Juan Cherries was her name, a lioness. And she looked down at me and said, oh, that looks interesting. And she was looking at the back of my head, apparently. And she put both her paws over my shoulders, keeping me down. And she bit me in the back of my head. Her teeth just raked the back of my head. 
And I don't know if you know how uh, your, your head bleeds. It is just profusely is the only word that I can think of. And when I lifted up my head, my entire face was covered with blood. One of our staff members fainted when I lifted my head. He just went over. Is that the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, no, it wasn't the scariest thing, but it, it, you know, I kind of thought, I've got to be more careful of the scenes that I do with these animals and what I allow, you know. I mean, because I was in a, a position that I had absolutely no control of keeping myself safe. Well, that's crazy. Do you ever feel scared when you're making the birds? No. I hate to say that. I hate to say that I didn't feel afraid. <laughs> I would like to be able to tell some really kind of gripping story about how terrible it was, but actually I liked the birds and, and uh, became very fond of several of them. It was all acting. So at the very end of the, of the film, uh, where I'm lying on uh, the, the door, has shut behind me and I am just exhausted. And they wanted all of these birds to come around and, you know, sit on my shoulder and whatever. So, uh, well, the birds don't exactly do what you want them to. What they did was they put almost an invisible type of string around their ankle and then they literally tied them to me. And uh, one of them was sitting on my shoulder and he was moving around, and he jumped up and caught me way too close to my eyeball. And I thought, I'm done. I am so done. And I got all of them off of me, rudely. I was really not at all gentle or anything. And, of course, I had the blood dripping down my face. And But that was the end of that scene. So you weren't so much scared as you were mad. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Slightly angry. At the, um, the end of the scene, uh, Hitchcock wanted me to do more takes, you know, on, on this thing where at the end of the film, you know, the cats are walking over me. And, and uh, you know, often we'd have, have uh, guests coming to watch this movie because it was unusual with unusual actors in it. And because uh, some of the birds were really quite interesting. Cary Grant came on the set one day. It was one of those days where they were hurling the birds at me, and I had a moment free, and I went over and started talking to him. And he said, he said, Tippi, I think you're the bravest woman I've ever met. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe I am. Hey, can't get enough of the conversation? Eli Roth's History of Horror is now streaming on Shudder, full and commercial-free. At Shudder, we're the best selection in streaming genre. It's handpicked and curated by experts, including me. We cover the amazing spectrum of horror thrillers and suspense, including breakout revenge essentials like Mandy and Revenge, all-time classic The Changeling, horror fantasy hit series A Discovery of Witches, and our new Shudder original documentary, Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. Start your free two-week trial with promo code SHUDDERPOD. That's promo code S-H-U-D-D. E-R-P-O-D. History of Horror Uncut is a Shudder original podcast. Hosted by Sam Zimmerman, produced by Liam Finn, sound designed by Jeremy Lee, music composed by Michael Tioli. 
Special thanks to executive producers Eli Roth, Kurt Sayenga, Jonathan Koch, Stephen Michaels, James McNabb, Allison Berkeley, and Joseph Freed, as well as the AMC Networks and AMC Studio Development and Production teams who allowed us at Shudder to make this. For Shudder, Owen Shiflett, Nicholas Lazo, and Robin Jones. This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries, and its unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability and criminal prosecution. Country of first publication, United States of America, History of Horror, Uncut.